So, congratulations. First day. I don't think I don't think anyone took off. Remember, I always remember my first retreat. After the first day, I was done. I was packing my stuff in my mind, you know. But I didn't go anywhere, and I'm really glad I didn't. And the same thing is true. I'm glad you didn't go anywhere, even if you wanted to. So yeah, being with the body, the mind, doubts, sleepiness, the general discomfort of this body can be a lot for a day. So I'm really happy you're here. I'm really happy that we're here together to practice. What I feel like is a a practice that has quite literally saved my life. That without this practice, I'm not really quite sure where I would be. You know, uh, 20 years ago I was definitely headed in a... uh, in a downward direction. You know, with struggling with drug addiction and just, I was pretty angry. And uh, unlikable fella. By some, not by all. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, to share this practice with you because it means the world to me. This retreat environment, it's so weird, right? <laughs> and so important. It's, but it's kind of weird. Like everyone's hush-hush, can't look at people in the eye. You have to be patient. Oh. <laughs> but it's so important to practice. It's so important to take this time. It allows us to unplug, to see clearly what's going on, you know. It's our way of going to the monastery or going into the forest, as the Buddha gave in his his instructions. Go find a tree, sit under a tree. This is our tree. Find a shack in the forest. Sit. Follow your breath. So often we notice our habits and our preferences. Fun stuff, right? The habits and preferences of our life when we're in this kind of environment. We begin to notice all all the crap that goes on in between our ears, you know? And we're often very distracted. So you might have felt a little distracted today. It's normal, as Mary Grace was saying earlier. This mind has a mind of its own, I like to say. And it's often out of control. And sometimes highly inappropriate. Right? You might be asking yourself, why the hell did I come here? Why did I come to this retreat? There must be something that pulled you towards this. There must be something that pulled you towards going deeper into your 
awareness or your experience. I'm going to kind of talk about that tonight. Some that's part of what I'm going to talk about. So what like what is that that pulls us inward? Some trust in this practice and meditation. You've been to a day long. You've been to some groups. Maybe you've been to another retreat before. So maybe there's some trust in this practice and that it has some benefit. A recognition or a moment of clarity that motivated us to take this time. The Buddha pointed to five qualities uh, that we have to have or that we must be willing to cultivate in order to relieve our suffering. These five faculties that are necessary to follow the path. The good thing is that we have them already. We just don't quite know it. And this is a, this practice, through this practice, it's about cultivating these five faculties. So they are faith or confidence, vigor or effort, mindfulness, sati, concentration and or uh, one-pointedness, and wisdom. So I'm going to talk about these uh, faculties tonight. But I'm really going to focus... On just a couple of them, because you know, as the week goes on, we're going to be talking about all of them in different ways. And faith is one that I feel like is so important, and it's so misunderstood sometimes. Um, and so I'll be talking about kind of faith from my perspective and faith from the Buddhist perspective. So, faith in what? First of all. Faith in what is what, when I first heard that, that's initially what came in. Faith in what? In the ability to wake up. In the ability to be free from suffering. It's kind of a promise the Buddha gives us. If we have some faith in this practice and allow that faith to grow, we will wake up. Maybe even today you had a moment of Oh, caught your mind wandering off. That's waking up. Faith to me also means confidence. You know, I went to my first retreat because I had some confidence. Some confidence in a teacher. I had some confidence in a friend who had gone to a retreat before and said, like, I didn't die. I didn't go crazy. I was like, all right. You know, I trusted him. And, and, you know, I had some faith and some confidence in some books that I had read that seemed to make sense to me. And this is really all the Buddha's talking about. That kind of faith, that kind of confidence. Verifiable. I'd seen this verifiable faith in those who had gone before me. Like Mary Grace, Bob, Jill... I think everyone on this teacher's council has gone before me. So seeing some change 
you know, in some of my friends and in some of my teachers. It allowed me to, to, oh, to take this dive, to go a little deeper. So faith is the first of the five faculties. Uh, it's considered the seed from which the spiritual life can grow. And I really love um, you know, this understanding of faith from the, the Pali language. Uh, the word is, is sada. And sada is similar to uh, what in Latin is uh, kora or like corazon. So really faith in uh, Pali means the heart. And, and it's much more of a, of a felt sense than an intellectual sense. And we all know that when we understand that. I mean, everyone in this room understands that quality of like when you have some faith in someone, it kind of it comes from the heart or the gut, not from the head. But it's important that we have a verifiable faith too, right? That we're not just being led by our senses or by our emotions because that can lead us down some wrong roads. It led me down a few. So it's, it's this heart uh, and or the seed of practice along with um, this verifiable uh, confidence in your own ability to awaken and in uh, the teachings. And this one of the things I just love and have always loved about the Buddhist uh, teachings, about the teachings of the Buddha, is so much about see for yourself. Don't trust Anything that I say, really anything that any of us say, you're here to do the practice, and we're just guiding the way. And the Buddha was really clear about that. And I love that about this practice. It actually instills more faith for me to know that, oh, I get to discern for myself. I get to develop discernment (laughs) through this practice. Just a little bit about faith. You know, there's a story that I'll just tell it quickly um, that I heard a long time ago. And uh, it's about right after the, the, the time of uh, the Buddha's enlightenment. The Buddha had become enlightened. And he had done all this effort, done all this work, cultivated mindfulness, built deep levels of concentration, and sprung Wisdom. And then he just kind of chilled. He kind of sat back and enjoyed the blissfulness of what he called Nibbana. Freedom from suffering. And was actually not quite sure we would get it. He was like, that was so difficult and took so long It was so challenging. I don't know if people can get it. You know, there was so much greed. There was so much hatred. There was so much delusion in the world 2,550 years ago and today. That he was like, I'm not quite sure. As he's retelling the story to some of his uh, monks later on. 
He's, there's uh, scriptures of this written, suttas, teachings. So he was visited by what some would say um, a godlike deity that urged him to teach. Others might say it was a part of his kind of higher mind, a psycho- another psychological part of himself that, that really urged him to look out into the world with, with his uh, new eyes. To look out into the world and see that maybe there are some who are willing to go against the stream, right? against the kind of blissful uh, sleepwalking that most of us do through our lives. <coughs> and so he likened this. He looked over to a, a lotus, a lotus uh, or a pond where there was lotus blossoms, and he. And he recognized that just like in the, in the lotus uh, blossoms, just like in the pond, that each lotus blossom starts from a seed deep in the mud, deep in the muck, in the darkness of the pond. And, and he said that we each, all humans have that potential, have that seed. And that all we need to do is cultivate it. And some, just like the lotus flowers, some will not reach the surface. Some will not bloom. But in every generation, there will be some with less dust in their eyes. Some who, through uh, effort and concentration and cultivation of mindfulness, their heart, their mind, will break through the uh, kind of sluggishness and, and blossom. And so the lotus blossom has has become an icon and an iconographic. I don't even know if that's a word. <laughs> an iconic symbol <laughs> for awakening. And ever uh, ever since I I heard that, I thought to myself. I might have that kind of faith. So I started really giving this a try. This was years ago. So faith. It's an important thing. You had to have some or you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have signed up for five days to sit in silence and not look at people. (laughs) So next is this faculty of effort. And effort and faith go hand in hand, as all of these do. So the faculty of effort, you know, it takes effort to progress on the path. It takes effort to stay the course, to return here again and again, as you've been doing all day. For me in my practice, it's taken both faith and effort to continue along this path. To return to the cushion, sit after sit, day after day. It takes effort. It takes, uh, in, in uh, Pali they call it virya, this kind of uh, it's energy that we cultivate and that we need to continue this kind of trudging, you know, walking with a purpose.
You know, but we need to have some balance. Too much effort can lead to, to restlessness and agitation. I know a lot about that. Maybe some, some of you have experienced some of that today. Some restlessness. Some agitation. <clears throat> and then too little sluggishness or dullness of mind. Got to be careful of those too. So this kind of balance beam that uh, Mary Grace talked about is really this kind of wise effort and then also some compassion as uh, Bob was talking about today during the metta practice. Some compassion for our body, for our mind. You know, when I was in Thailand um, some years ago, I was at this monastery and um, it was pretty harsh conditions. I mean, concrete floors, like barely a cushion, wooden pillow. Seriously, I lived in a jail cell. But you know what they had? They had a beautiful uh, hot springs. So at the end of every day, we could the monks and, and, and the lay people would just go into these hot springs and just uh, rest the body was so helpful. So that balance of, you know, applying effort and also being kind and careful. I didn't always have this. I didn't always think this way. As a matter of fact, I came into this practice from a, a martial arts background. I learned how to sit in a, in a dojo, in a martial arts school. And my uh, sensei was very, uh, very hardcore. And would just say, Sozin! And then, Hajime! Which means, sit and begin. And that's it. There was no instructions. <laughs> yeah, not one. For, for three years. Twice a week. That's what I would do. Luckily, I had a little instruction when I was 16, 17, 18. So uh, I knew a little bit about what to do. Like follow the breath. You know, I had that much. Worked for years. That's all I did. But I also developed this kind of tough out the pain, uh, kind of, I don't know, warrior spirit, which served me well until it stopped serving me well. Right? But when I was in Thailand at that same, uh, at that same, at Wat Swan Mok is what it's called, at that same uh, retreat center, uh, this this like kind of eighty nine year old man would come out. And he was kind of a little decrepit. Looked like Yoda. <laughs> he did, and he would just say at the end of every evening, he would say, "Effort is the duty of today. For even tomorrow, death may come." Every day, which was a little bit like, "You better keep sitting, otherwise, you could die and not get in line." That's pretty much what he was saying. But it was a beautiful, I mean, it helped me. It, was a, it helped me to, to hold that kind of quality. You might hear me say that this week. Effort is the duty of today. For even tomorrow, death may come. There's some urgency in that. So like, you know, one of the things that we can think about is 
how to both develop a strong determination to follow the schedule. A strong determination to stay during the sits, to arrive on time. So to work with effort. And at the same time, to have some compassion and some mercy for ourselves and our bodies. You know, rest when we can. Do some qigong, some yoga, some walking. But really apply that effort. You know, like Mary Grace also said this morning, this practice is tough enough. You know, we don't need to make it tougher. You can, but you don't need to. So the next faculty is mindfulness. So mindfulness, we all have heard this term. It's so in our society now. It's in our everyday language, mindfulness. You know, this, uh, I think I was at the bank and I saw some picture of a guy in a suit floating. It was like, be mindful of your savings, you know. And it was a few weeks ago. You know? It was very funny. Be at ease and peace with this bank, you know. It's amazing. I mean, in some ways, it's not that bad, you know. Like, it's, it's a good, but to, mar- you know, marketing. I don't know if the Buddha was a very good marketer, to be honest with you. Because he led with, you know, they're suffering. And it's really hard to escape. Instead of, you know, there's a way out of suffering. No, there is suffering. It's true, though. We all know that. If you didn't know before today, <laughs> right? you got a little understanding. Yeah. So this mindfulness, right? Becoming a part of our everyday language. You know, in, uh, in Pali, the language of the Buddha, um, it, it can be translated, uh, well, the word sati can be translated as remembering. Just simply remembering. Remembering to come back again and again. And what I love about that is that, uh, and it's, it's already been in the instructions today, but when we recognize, recognize, when we recognize that our intention has wandered off, instead of judging and uh, having that quality of like, I'm really bad at this. No, no. Loving kindness, compassion. And then returning again and again. I like to also think of it as fullness of mind. Bringing my full attention to the here and now. The the Buddha spoke pretty emphatically about um, mindfulness, about sati. So he said, mindfulness, I declare, is all helpful. I concur. I think Bob does too. Maybe a few more. Mindfulness is all helpful. He said in another teaching, all things can be mastered by mindfulness. That's pretty lofty. All things can be mastered by mindfulness. So mindfulness, you know, simply put, is a clear and present awareness of what's happening within us and around us at any given moment. 
I like that. That's it. So we're using, you know, this faith, this confidence, this effort to kind of keep our energy, this this awareness of what's happening around us, within us. This is what we're cultivating. And then the next is concentration. Concentration, you already know about concentration. Aim your attention at the breath. Sustain that attention for as long as possible. It's concentration practice. Developing concentration from the faculty's point of view is known as one-pointed awareness. And what I love about Vipassana is it really uses both mindfulness and this concentration practice together. We're both have our attention placed in one, in, you know, on, on one point. It could be any number of points. We just talked about the breath and the body today. We'll, we'll go elsewhere. Hold on. We'll get there. So there's the concentration and then the awareness of what's happening while we're being concentrated. This is what we're developing. So I like to use the term aiming. Aiming our attention at the breath or body and then sustaining that attention for as long as possible. We often call this an anchor or a meditation object. So mindfulness and concentration work together in Vipassana to help uh, develop a calm awareness. So we're, we're learning to have this kind of uh, this steadfastness and then this awareness and acceptance of what is, which creates calm. Some would even call it tranquility, serenity. Just so you know, the craziness will settle. Maybe. More will be revealed, right? We're only in the first day. So, you know, I've also found that walking meditation is very helpful for to develop uh, all the factors, but specifically concentration. This lifting, moving, placing, shifting, lifting, moving, placing can be very helpful if you're feeling... Uh, restless or agitated or sleepy, sluggish, as Jill talked about earlier. So just keep that in mind when you're doing your walking practice that it's not just walking, although it is just walking, but it's also cultivating the faculty of concentration, lifting, moving, placing. You begin to see kind of the way, I don't know if actually, I don't think Macs do this, but uh, PCs, you, know, you have to defrag every once in a while to defrag a PC. And that's kind of what this practice is about and what concentration is about. Defragging the mind. Defragmenting the mind. It's, again, we're cultivating. It's a cultivation. So wisdom is this fifth faculty 
And you know, wisdom is kind of hard to talk about. It's really kind of a hard thing to describe for me. What I think about when I think about wisdom and the way that this practice points to wisdom, it's known as panya, right? that it's right understanding, this kind of cultivation of, of seeing things as they are, and not being confused about the way we think things are. Because the Buddha likes to point out that we have upside down perception. We, th- we see things as permanent when they're clearly impermanent. You know, we see good as bad, bad as good. So this wisdom, this kind of development of wisdom, this is the fruit of our labor. It's, uh, as Sylvia Bornstein I once heard say, it's the big K versus the little K of knowing. There's the little K of knowing, like we know things, we have knowledge. Then there's this big K, the capital K, to know, to be awake. That's why I'm here. How about you? I want to know some things. Bigger than I even know that I can know. So that's what helps motivate me. And I'll be honest with you. I maybe got a little bit of wisdom. But I've got a long way to go. And this is a, this is a factor. It's a faculty. It's a, th- a thing to be cultivated through time and experience. Right? Well, we all know this. I mean, you know, we, we know what wisdom means. Someone said to me the other day, you know, the thing about the Buddhist teaching is that it's all so like, oh yeah... I understand that on an intellectual level. We can understand. And then to know with a big K takes work, takes practice. That's why we're here. The Dharma is the proof that this all works. And wisdom is the knowledge of that proof turning into experience. This is kind of my definition of what I think wisdom is as a faculty. So these are all working together, and we're you know there's this there's all these lists right in Buddhism, and so much of the lists are not linear. They're written down linear, and we talk about them sometimes linearly, like I just did. But really, they're folding into each other. And the way, one of the definitions I like, the way, the way I've heard it talked about in the Eightfold Path, actually, is that it's actually little strands of rope wrapped and entwined together to form a stronger, you know, stronger use. And so that's the same thing with these faculties. And they start off as things that we already have, at a base level, and then we're trying to rise them up, cultivate through practice, not just talking. Matter of fact, there's not a lot of talking. At least not here. Ajahn Pasano, uh, when I was up at uh, Abayagiri one time, we were talking about 
you know, the philosophy of, you know, reading books and all the, you know, the, the way that uh, we are here in the West. We like to really intellectually understand things far more than we even need to. And Ajahn Pasano said, you know, Ajahn Chah was much more of an experiential guy. You know, Ajahn Chah would say this much knowledge, this much experience, you know, this just just enough knowledge to get the to get it, to get the basic understanding. And then really the experiential awareness is the development of wisdom. And that's what I believe this faculty is talking about. So I was thinking about what else? The way that these faculties actually flip later on and become powers. So it's kind of like we're all getting superpowers, but we have to work at them. We're like the remember that show, The Greatest American Hero, and the guy got he got like a suit and he had to learn how to use all of his powers. That's kind of what we got going on. We have five faculties that we understand, but we really need to develop them. And then they become powers. And uh, what the Buddha said is that when they're powers, they are unshakable by their opposites. So the opposites of these faculties and or powers are known as the hindrances, some of which you may have experienced today. And we're really going to go more into the hindrances tomorrow. But just to say, you know, desire, craving, wanting, um, restlessness, sleepiness, doubt. How many people had some doubt today? Really? I had some doubt today. Doubt about this talk. (laughs) Serious. Faith prevailed. So we're going to get into the hindrances later. So I just really want to kind of emphasize that this this is a time for us to really just sink in, take advantage. You're already here. Your emails and all that stuff, gone. Don't even, just let it go. It will, it will so be there. That conversation that you had in your head today about next week. Waste of time. Effort is the duty of today. For even tomorrow, death may come. You're here. Drink it in. Use it. Maybe I have... One last teaching. This is from the Dhammapada. It's a a way in which I was um, thinking about uh, Panya, wisdom. Radiant presence. However young, the seeker who sets out upon the way shines bright, over the world. But day and night, the person who is awake shines in the radiance of the Spirit. Meditate. Live purely. Be quiet. Do your work with mastery. Like the moon, 
come out from behind the clouds and shine. Meditate. Live purely. Be quiet. Do your work with mastery. Like the moon, come out from behind, from behind the clouds and shine. Thanks for your time and attention and your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.